What about this heat wave? Good gracious. I'm with um, whoever I was talking to this week, Alana, that said the humidity is 120%. <laughs> I believe her. I believe her. It is wild. If living in East Texas all my life, I'm still not used to it. It's, it's been tough. All right, so I think we're good and settled. Let's pray, and then I'll get started. Thank you, Jesus, for your goodness. Thank you for revival. Thank you for the power of your word. And, Lord, I thank you for the inspiration of the Holy Ghost that is speaking to us. I thank you for the word that you have given for tonight. And I ask for your help. I ask for your strength. I recognize that I'm not able to impart it if you don't make it happen. So I present myself to you, and I ask, Father, that you strengthen me and and that you give me clarity in my thoughts so that I can uh, put to put into words what you have given me. Lord, open our hearts to receive your word. Let it do a work. Let it, let it land on fertile soil so that it can produce fruit. God, because we desire to be the church that you have called us to be for such a time as this. And we call for there to be light. Let there be light shining in our lives. Let there be light shining in this house. Let there be light upon America in the name of Jesus. Amen. All right, so we officially launched last week a new series entitled Let There Be Light. Jeremy Pate actually uh, launched it two weeks ago while we were on vacation, and he did a lesson. I'm going to take us through a really quick recap if this is, this is actually part three. So if this is your first one, I'll, I'll walk you through the last two weeks really quick. Um, he gave a lesson entitled, Give Them Light, where he introduced facts regarding the power of light and how darkness does not have power as long as light is present. And then last week, we discussed the beauty of God's creation, and uh, we discussed the state of the earth, um, the state that the earth was in before God said, let there be light, and that's Genesis 1 and 1. It says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now, the earth was chaos, waste, darkness was on the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering upon the surface of the water. So we pointed out that the state of things was chaos, waste, and darkness. And then we saw that through creation, God dismantled chaos, darkness, and waste, and he stripped them from their ability to control. And then we learned that human beings uh, exemplify creation. And I, I gave this list that human beings were created as walking, talking, living, breathing, fruitful, reproductive, light-bearing vessels who are blessed with dominion and dis distinguished with the separation of male and female and given specific boundaries established by the Creator. And we were given the mandate to protect what God had put into motion. So we stand at the door to protect with our dominion that Christ has given us. Um, and then we also discussed something that I called Operation Reverse Creation, um, exposing Satan's desire to carry the earth back to its pre-light state uh, of darkness, chaos, and waste. And then one uh, we established 
for the for two weeks in a row that light overpowers darkness always. So if you did not see that lesson last week, maybe that's enough to kind of uh, create an interest for you to go listen to it because I, I really don't need to take this lesson's time to recap on what you can find on YouTube. So we're going to pick up tonight where I left off last week and we're going to start by establishing five truths, five truths, okay? So let's, I love it, I would love it if you take notes. Um, these are truths to live by, so it's worth writing down, worth putting in your phone. Number one, truth number one, if you'll say this after me, God is light. Now that you know what you're going to say, say it, God is light. Okay, First John 1 and 5 says... This is the message which we have heard from him, which is Jesus, and declare to you that God is light. Okay? God is light. It's 1 John 1 and 5. Thank you, Brother Bill. If you'll just stay right there. That carries us to truth number two. There is no darkness in God. There is zero darkness darkness in God. So say that. There is no darkness in God. Look over and tell your friend that. There is no darkness in God, okay? So with this verse, this is the message we have heard from Jesus, and we declare to you, God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. Truth number three is this. Jesus came as the light of the world, okay? Jesus came as the light of the world. John 8 and 12, these are Jesus' words. John 8 and 12, then Jesus spoke to them again saying, I am the light of the world. I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. A second scripture that Jesus said is John 9 and 5. John 9 and 5. He says, as long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Okay? So, truth number three. Everybody say, Jesus came as the light of the world. All right. Number four. Truth number four is Christ's disciples... Point over to your friend and say, that should be you. <laughs> that should be you. Christ's disciples are the light of the world. Okay? I'm going to use a term called the ecclesia. E-K-K-L-E-S-I-A. That is the Greek word for church. Okay? So Christ's church. The ecclesia actually means called out ones. There's that separated again. Talked a lot about being separated last week. Okay, so anytime I say ecclesia, I'm talking about the called out ones. How many of you have been called out of darkness to follow Christ? Okay, so you're supposed to be a light-bearing vessel like I talked about last week. So if I say ecclesia, I'm talking about the church. And the church is, it's the, it's the Greek word for church. It's actually where Jesus said, upon this rock I will build my ecclesia. 
I will build my group of called out ones and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. So um, anytime I say ecclesia, I'm talking about the church, which should be uh, Christ's disciples, which should be followers of Christ. All of that is interchangeable, okay? We are the light of the world, okay? Let me give you that scripture, Matthew 5, 1 and 2. 5, 1 and 2, and seeing the multitudes, Jesus went up on a mountain, and when he was seated, his disciples came to him. So that represents us, right? His disciples represents us as followers of Jesus. Then he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, so who is he speaking to? Followers, disciples, the church, you got it? Which is nowadays us, right? I mean, like we took Peter's place. We took Paul's place. They passed the baton to us. So however important you think Peter and Paul were, you are just that important because they passed the baton. Sometimes I feel like we dropped it. <laughs> All right, so he, he, he said a lot to them, but I'm just going to pick up for time's sake on verse 14. So Brother Bill, if you'll jump to verse 14 he's speaking to his disciples he says you are the light of the world you are the light of the world and then he continues to talk so we are the light oh sorry Matthew 5 and 14 I'm sorry brother Matthew 5 and 14 I'll let everybody see that that's all Jack, taking pictures. There you go. So if you're taking pictures, there it is. Jesus' words speaking to the disciples. Thank you, Mom. You are the light of the world. So Jesus is passing the baton. He says, I'm going to go away. You should do greater works than I did. So that's truth number four, that we are the light of the world. All right, truth number five. Brother Bill, I would like for you to pull this one up in the TLV version. It's 1 John 1, verse 1, and we're going to go through 5. <clears throat> I want everybody to be able to see this. Truth number 5, darkness does not overpower light. It's the third week in a row. But we've got to hit home with this. So I want you to say it where the darkness can hear. Darkness does not overpower light. Darkness does not overpower light. So in the beginning was the Word. I'm sorry, I gave, I gave that to you wrong. John 1 and 1. That was my fault. John 1 and 1. I'm going to go to 1 John later. There we go. Thank you, Brother Bill. You're a blessing. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. Keep going. He was with God in the beginning. All right, verse 3. In, we'll go to 3. All things were made through him, and apart from him, nothing was made that has come into being. 
verse 4. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. Verse 5. The light shines in the darkness. Now watch here. And the darkness has not overpowered it. Okay? So the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not, has, to present day, still, the darkness has not overpowered the light. So let me establish these five truths again. Number one, God is light. Number two, there is no darkness in him at all. Number three, Jesus came as the light of the world. Number four, his followers are to be the light of the world. And number five, darkness does not have power over light. Now, out of those five truths, four of them are constant, never changing. One of them is a variable. Is the fact that God is light never changing or is it a variable? Never changing. Is the fact that there is no darkness in God at all, is that never changing or does that vary? Never changing. Is the fact that Jesus came as the light of the world, is that never changing or does that vary? Is the fact that his followers are always the light of the world? Is that, con yeah. Is the fact, the truth that darkness doesn't have power over light, does that ever change? So the fact that darkness is present in the world today fell on the variable of us. So if darkness, you already heard Jeremy Dan say this, I'm just reiterating, if darkness is operating in your home, if darkness is operating in the earth today, which it is, it's because the ecclesia, the called out ones, exchanged light for darkness. Okay? We exchanged light for darkness. That's where we're going to sit tonight. So let me tell you the title of this lesson. I would like every leader, I don't know if my husband wants to get a message tonight or Jeremy Dan, I, I would like every leader to hear this message. Every leader that is uh, leading at Covenant Church. It's, in, it's imperative for us as a church that we grab a hold of this. Tonight's title is called Vacationing with the Enemy. Vacationing with the Enemy. Beginning with Adam and Eve in the garden, Satan has been strategically working overtime, passing out vacation brochures, passing out vacation invitations. Because he knows truth number five. He knows truth number four. He knows darkness can never overpower light. So his only option is to talk mankind into vacating the premises. I'm going to ask Brother Bill to put the, the one picture up. This is what it means to vacate, okay? To vacate means this. If you vacate a place or a job, you leave it or give it up, making it available for other people or entities. Okay? So his only, his only option 
is to talk us, talk the church into vacating the premises. All right? Remember, that's worth taking a picture of. To vacate means to leave or give up making that place available for someone or something else to inhabit. So Satan's goal is to get mankind to abdicate. Let's look up abdicate. A-B-D-I. Abdicate. To fail to fulfill. To fail to undertake a responsibility or a duty. So his goal is to get us to abdicate, to fail to fulfill our very powerful position of light-bearing vessel with dominion. He's trying to get us to fail to be light-bearing vessels that operate in dominion. Because as long as we are walking through the earth, bearing light and operating in dominion, he cannot overpower our premises. All right? So, how does he do this? He does this by sending every one of us, every man and every woman, every boy and every girl, an invitation to vacation with him. Okay? Yes, even six-year-olds get an invitation to vacation with him. Right now, it's super popular for the vacation brochure given to six-year-olds to be change your gender. I hope you don't get tired of talking about it because the world's not tired of talking about it. And the enemy's not tired of passing out invitations. Okay? Or he's busy giving children brochures to vacation with him in the form of media, uh, darkness, witchcraft, um, even something that looks as, as innocent as just a show that makes dads ultimately look stupid. Watch, watch the brochures going out to the kids through sitcoms. And it's an invitation to vacation with the enemy and take a retreat away from the teaching of your father because every father on the Disney Channel is a dumb idiot. No, there, you can look up clean version all you want and you'll still get Disney Channel. But every dad is a dimwit. And that's an opportunity for kids to view the authority in their life as a dimwit. Every child on those sitcoms are smarter than the parents. It's an opportunity given to kids to vacation with the enemy. So if we fail to grasp this truth, we'll be destined for destruction. Hosea 4 and 6 says God's people are destroyed for the lack of knowledge. So if we walk in naivety, we naively walk into destruction, right? We'll naively be so caught up 
with all the modern day opportunities that we won't even realize what's taking place. I'm going to read that again. And I'm asking that everybody, whether you're listening live stream or listening in the house, that you perk your ears up for what the Lord would be speaking to you uh, tonight. It, it's to us. I'm, there's no other platform that Jeremy and I are speaking on right now. And so that means that if you're under the sound of my voice, God has you here for a reason. And the word of God says, he that hath ears to hear, let him hear. So if we don't watch it, if we don't let light bring truth to us, we will naively, very naively be so caught up with all the modern day opportunities that we won't realize what we're doing. Follow me here. We won't realize we're vacationing with the villain. We're dining with destruction. We are embarking on an escapade with evil, on a romantic rendezvous with, re with rebellion, naively. Just getting an invitation that looks innocent. But we don't realize that when we go on this vacation with the villain. Who's the villain? Satan. And he hates God. It's not necessarily that he, that he has a special hatred for you. He just hates your father. He just hates the creator and you represent the creator as made in his image. So he needs you. To vacation with him. And, and he will lure God's people away with something that looks very innocent. And then it, before you know it, you're dining with destruction. I looked up rendezvous. Let's look what rendezvous is. A romantic rendezvous with rebellion. Rendezvous is... A meeting at an agreed time and place, typically between two people. Just a quick meeting. And you think you'll be able to get right back. You think, oh, it's just, it's just a little quick trip. I'll be right back. And coming right back is not that easy. It's, it's naively done. And I'm going to talk about how, how the enemy is doing this. We have no idea we're vacating the premises, leaving it open for darkness to enter. I told my husband, I said, it's a little scary as I teach this stuff. And as he's teaching what he's teaching on Sunday mornings, because I fear that God's judgment is coming behind these words to people that are becoming hearers and not doers. I mean, I find myself saying the same thing a bunch of different ways, Wednesday after Wednesday, yet I don't feel released from the urgency. And I'm afraid that it's because people are, are sitting and listening and they're not making the change that's very necessary. And I feel the urgency getting stronger and stronger. And tonight as I'm teaching about some very innocent things, please make sure you don't shove anything under the rug because God has a very clear message to a naive church. So we have no idea we're vacating the premises, leaving it open for darkness to enter. 
We have to remember darkness cannot overpower light. It cannot bust the door down and tell light to leave. Therefore, darkness needs you, needs me to vacate our position of light bearer with dominion so it can enter the premises. So it can enter your child's bedroom. So it can enter your church. So it can enter your schools. So it can enter the government. It has. It has. And of course, none of Christ's followers have intended to vacate their responsibility of light bearer. Nobody did it on purpose. People did it going to church every Sunday, and they used to go every Wednesday. Now they don't go every Wednesday, and now they don't go every Sunday. Like, we can't even fit in a Sabbath anymore. You can't even fit in a Sunday Sabbath anymore because of innocent things that are just luring people away, and they're very innocent, But the master behind them is not. I want to point this out. The minnow, the minnow, the little swimming minnow is not an evil creature. But in the hands of a fisherman, it is death to the fish that's eyeballing it. Get this message. The minnow wouldn't harm a flea. But in the hands of a predator, of a fisherman... A minnow becomes a deadly lure to the fish who's eyeing it. I'm not going to call out your stuff. I know it's innocent. But in the hands of the one behind Operation Reverse Creation, it's going to be death to your family's soul because you're eyeing it so much. Yes, it's innocent, and no, it won't harm a flea, but it's who's holding the rod, moving the lure, drawing your eye. So none of Christ's followers intend to vacate their responsibility. We often don't just openly engage in rebellion. We often don't just say... God, I'm so mad at you. Watch me, God. I'm going to go and do whatever. Watch me, God. I'm going to go. I'm not going to fill it in because I don't want to hit anybody too close to home. Watch me, God. I'm just going to sit out tonight. Just see what you think about that, God. Nobody openly rebels against God usually when they start out in the light. Now, I know pagans are doing it all the time. And I know they're holding their fist up, but I'm not talking to pagans. I'm talking to light bearers. So we often don't just openly engage in rebellion. Rather, it's a subtle process, or as Casting Crown says, it's a slow fade. It's a beautiful invitation for a small vacation that catches our attention. The cover of the brochure It's full of good things. Nothing harmful. But we don't realize that these invitations, although they're not boasting darkness at first, they operate 
as that shiny lure to catch our attention. They operate as that minnow. Or as East Texans would say, that minner. To catch our attention. Yes, they're harmless. But no, the enemy is not. Do you understand where I'm going with this? So let me, if my husband could, could um, just try to be the enemy for a minute, if you'd stand. If you could just try to be the enemy, and I'm going to represent the church. So he cannot just come in and bust the door open and take over me. But he can catch my eye. And willingly, he can draw my attention. (laughs) Willingly, willingly, he can lure me in. He can be flashy. He can be, and you got to think about in your life, what's getting you slowly to just slowly, just a little bit. I think it is what he did. (laughs) I'll be honest. He put his hand like right here on me at camp. We were supposed to be worshiping and we weren't. And he put his hand right here and I was like, I'm sold. (laughs) I know, but they were having church. (laughs) Everybody else was worshiping and we were trying to find a seat. (laughs) And he put his hand like right here to help me and I was like, I've never been done that before. I've never done. <laughs> I'm not going to tell how old I was. I was only 15. <laughs> so the enemy can't just come pick you up and grab you. Darkness cannot just jump inside of you, but he can lure you. He can get your attention. And willingly talk you into, I'm talking about engaging your free will. He understands the boundaries of free will. And he can get you in your own free will to vacate and abandon the premises for somebody else to fill. Then, while we are in the process, this is happening. This is happening. While we're in the process, I'm going to go to this side because I'm preaching too much to this side. While we're in the process of vacating the premises, I mean, we're still showing up periodically to church. And we still hear the pastor when the pastor says or when the Lord says or Thou shalt have no other gods before me. And we're like, that was an easy sermon because I don't have any other gods before him. And we walk away feeling so good because I don't have any. He's, my, he's the almighty God and I know that and I worship him and, and he's, he's the love of my life. But let me tell you what that actually means. God or idol. I'm going to tell you. Let me read it like I wrote it. We hear a sermon that says, Thou shalt have no other gods before me. And we leave feeling so good because we quote, unquote, know that we don't have any other gods before the one true God. But in our ignorance, we fail to identify what a God is. 
when the Lord said, you shall have no other gods before me, what was he talking about? Let me tell you what a little God is. It's going to blow your mind. I got this from Jonathan Kahn. So no plagiarism here. The one, two, three, four, five, six. The next six bubbles on my page right there is Jonathan Kahn. A God or an idol is that which one ultimately worships. So you're like, I worship the one true God. But that's not where it stops. Serves or lives for. A God or an idol is that which one, here we go, buckle your seatbelt, most focuses and dwells on. A God or an idol is that from which one takes the greatest joy. Ah! Honestly, what's making you more joyful than God Almighty? Be honest with yourself. A God or an idol is that which one most reveres and is led by, moved by, and driven by. You shall have no, he's saying, you shall have nothing else in your life that leads you, drives you, and moves you more than I do. It's dangerous, guys. It's almost sometimes a curse to be surrounded by so much luxury. A God or an idol is one's ultimate reality. When God pulls away the mask from your heart, what's truly leading you? A God or an idol is the purpose of one's life. So there's no time, I mean, there's not enough time for me to even try to start a list. In America, in 21st century America, the possibilities of gods and idols are endless. And they're innocent. A lot of times they're innocent. Remember, don't blame the minnow for destroying the fish. Blame the fishermen. So I'm going to ask us all to be real with ourselves. Who or what are you truly living for? Who or what has you serving it or them? Who or what do you most focus and dwell on? From who or from what do you get the most joy? Who or what are you most led, moved, and driven by? We may say it's harmless. We may say, well, it's nothing dark. It's nothing bad. But if it has the power to talk us, you, into vacating the premises, then it's the precursor. It's the precursor to the darkness that's planning to invade your vacated spot. Okay? Need some examples? I'm going to try not to be... <laughs> I'm going to try not to be, I'm, I'm going to try not to hit anybody really close. Let me just use something so 
far out there. Putt-putt's harmless, okay? Putt-putt's harmless, yes. But putt-putt, let's just use something so, so, so crazy like you join a putt-putt team, it's harmless. But the next thing you know, every night you've got putt-putt. Next thing you know, all your energy is on putt-putt. And all your focus is on putt-putt. And everything is surrounded by putt-putt at the expense of marriage, at the expense of the word. At, and I know that's far out. But it could be sex. It could be baseball. It could be bowling. It could be fishing. It could be, it could be work. It's anything. It could be shopping. It could be Amazon. Okay. It could be drinking. It could be gambling. It could be smoking. It could be, you need, oh, it could be cell phone. Here you go. It could be this. Yeah, it could be your spouse. It could be women. It can be men. It could be children. It could be your children. It could be your children. Your children could be leading the family. Your children could be the tail that's wagging the dog. And you've got some that could manage kids and kids' activities and God and some that can't. And what's the difference? The leadership in the home. Are kids' activities bad? No. Kids' activities are great. Our boys did it. Kids' activities are great. But if it causes you to vacate, if it causes you to vacate because your mind is so consumed with you vicariously living through your children, you vacated the premises. And the enemy is going to move in on your children. See, it's okay if it's the exception, but so easily the exception becomes the rule. Does that make, did that help you? I didn't mean to get that real. <laughs> I don't mean to get that real. If anybody else needs some examples, I'll share with you outside of the microphone. <laughs> Thank you for asking that. You come for real? Thank you. Yeah. So, so since Stephanie said that, I'll thank you for saying that. Let's use you as, as an example because I see you balancing it well. It could be Boy Scouts, couldn't it? You, do, you balance it well. You, you, you have to make the boundaries. Good things, okay? Good things can absolutely get in the way. My mom wants to say something. I'll let you. Before, when I mentioned a while ago about spouses, I said your spouse. I think before my husband had his stroke, I think I worshipped him. I literally do. I think I thought about him when I woke up in the morning and Everything I did revolved around him. And then when he had his stroke, I didn't have him in that same leadership capacity. And so I had to actually develop a close relationship with God. And Jesus had to be my lover. That's exactly right. And it wasn't fair to him, honestly, to have to be her everything. No. So, all right. All right, so... What do you mean, pastor, when you say vacate the premises? That's funny. I asked myself this question, <laughs> and that we're right where you said that. What do you mean when you say vacate the premises? If it can talk you into 
abdicating your role, your position, your responsibility, even if you think it's just temporary, then although it appears harmless, the motive behind it certainly is not. So we're going to look at some of the operations against God's church over the years, okay? Many have vacated, we're going to talk about it in, in a church, to the church now. Many throughout the years have vacated power pursuing pleasure. How does power come? Through prayer. It's not fun. I'm telling you, prayer requires sacrifice. It's much easier to receive an invitation from the enemy to follow pleasure at the expense of God's power. Okay? Yes, the power of God moving and operating actively in lives and in churches has been replaced by full schedules. Fact. The power of God has been traded for pleasure. We don't have room for God because our schedules are too filled with pleasure. And to try to wean ourselves off of pleasure, we can't hardly do it. Many have vacated love and true liberty pursuing luxury. What do you mean? Churches have had sophisticated chandeliers and sophisticated people replace the authentic moving of the Holy Spirit. Why? Because it's not always pretty when the Holy Spirit moves. Well, my hand starts jiggling and or my, my hand starts moving and that looks weird and so I don't want that because what do the sophisticated people think? Or I start, like my mouth starts quivering or I might, I might, I might um, be trembling or I might be on the floor or I might be speaking in a heavenly language and that's just not too cool looking. So let me just vacate that for luxury. So instead of power-filled churches, we have sophisticated churches operating in just the intellect and there's no room for the mighty move of God because the mighty move of God might make me lose my dignity but David said this I'll become even more undignified than than this so I'm ready to be the church that says God we gotta have your power I don't care what it looks like God I've got to have your power Fill me and consume me, whatever I look like in the process. We've got to release control to the Holy Spirit. And so many times, I'm going to stay on this for just a minute because we've been a sophisticated church for a long time in the past. And people come to the altar and they're like, God, don't do that to me. I mean, I want more of you, but I got to stay in control. You will never get more of God with you in control. And until you get tired of what you're producing in control, then you're going to keep trying to remain in control at the expense of a supernatural encounter with God. Deliverance can be one of the most humbling, undignified experiences, but you walk away so free, so free, so free. 
Somebody needs to say, I'll become even more undignified than this. I got to have the power of God operating. Okay? So we cannot any longer vacate liberty for luxury. We vacate love for luxury. It hurts too bad to have compassion on you, Tim, because I'm so used to comfort. And it hurts my heart to love you. Therefore, I'll just harden my heart and not look at you. And not look at the state you're in. We've vacated compassion. That's what I just said to Tim. Pursuing comfort. And there's a ton of invitations to go on a comfortable vacation with the enemy. We'll vacate engagement. Oh, God. Pursuing entertainment. I can't get engaged with you, Pastor. You're requiring too much from me. I've got too much entertainment in my life, and I can't, I can't be as engaged. I'm just not available. I don't like where the church is going because you're getting into my schedule. And so we'll vacate engagement. What's engagement? Put a ring on my finger, Jesus Christ. When you return, I'm ready. But I can't be engaged because I'm pursuing entertainment. There's not, enough, there's not enough fishing to satisfy your soul. There's not enough movies to satisfy your soul. There's not enough sugar to satisfy your soul. There's not enough fun to satisfy your soul. At some point, you're going to have to go back to creation and draw some boundaries and say, I will not vacate the premises for a vacation with the enemy. There's not enough of the same sex or the opposite sex. You'll never be satisfied you got to draw some boundaries. Your kids will never be satisfied if you let them lead the family. At some point, fathers and mothers are going to have to step up and say, I've vacated and abdicated my role as the leader of your life. And it's going to be really uncomfortable, but I'm taking charge of this family again. We have vacated supernatural, the supernatural for safety. What do you mean by safety? Well, I got to be safe with my reputation. We can't be thought of as that church. I'd rather the supernatural. Adam needs the supernatural. Kenneth needed the supernatural. Tim needs the supernatural. I got to have the supernatural. Jeremy and I can't pastor if we don't have the supernatural manifestation of the Holy Spirit in operation here. We don't have to be safe anymore. Who cares what anybody thinks? I've got to have, you want to put it in Kenneth's words, I've got to have an Azusa Street encounter. Who cares if my friends call me a tongue talker or a holy roller or the church on the other side of the tracks or the people that are so obsessed with deliverance? Who cares? I don't want to be safe anymore. I want supernatural. I want the supernatural. No Holy Ghost power because we're not willing to release control. And there's no longer a sense of urgency for spiritual things because the world is constantly drawing our attention away from the things of the Spirit. David Clay, if you'll come, house lights down. Kathy can get ready. Wes, are you doing the baptizing? Um, She's in my dad's class, and you can just let them know that you're ready. 
I don't think I'm going to ask us to stand. I'm just going to ask the house lights to go down. Thank you, Brittany, for serving. I see you in a new capacity. Thank you. How about we just bow our heads? The answer is no to a vacation with the enemy. Let there be light. Let there be light. The kind of light that cuts through like a laser. The kind of light that pierces the veil. The kind of light that exposes the work of the enemy as he is operating behind so many good and harmless things. The kind of light that opens our eyes to see what God is trying to do and what the enemy is in the process of doing. We need light. And then we've got to go back to the position that we're supposed to be in. We've got to get back. We're not going to fight the darkness. Remember, you don't have to fight the darkness. Just be the light. Just be the light. Just let light radiate through you. I'm talking about through you. Let it come and let it go through you. Let let light radiate and then go. Go back to your position as the leader of your home. Go back to wherever God has called you. Let's go back to being the original church, like what the church looked like when it was birthed. We've got to get back. And we're not going to fight the darkness. We're just going to be the light. You literally just be. You're a human being. Just be everything you were created to be. So I just want, I'm going to let you respond however you choose right now. You can bow your heads. You can come to the altar. We've got a good five minutes. Let the Lord show us whatever he wants to show us. Let the light of his truth prick our hearts and give us the courage to get back in our position, fulfilling our role, walking in our dominion. Father, I thank you for your word, and I ask that you administer to every single heart, mine included. Show us where we're supposed to be. I bind the spirit of delay in Jesus' name. And I thank you, God, that you are able to reposition us back in the place that we vacated so naively. Help us to be sensitive to your voice. Open our eyes to see. In Jesus' name, amen.
never know and I'll never know how much it costs to see my sins upon that cross and I'll never know how much it costs to see my sins upon that cross so confession of your faith and the obedience to the word of God. I baptize you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins. Continually better. So here I am to worship. 